When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. I'm Mike Luke, joined by Jody Ayler. You're listening to him on 910 up in Phoenix, but we're fortunate enough to get him down here in Tucson for the AZ Wildcats podcast. Jody, how you doing, my guy? I'm great, man. I'm getting ready to head down to Tucson this weekend, so let me know where the pickup basketball game is. I was going to say, what are you doing down here besides looking for a pickup basketball games? My, uh, my parents are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. And they uh, they live up here in Phoenix, but they love Tucson. So we're going to be at one of the resorts there. And I got some I got some uh, sun credits because at the the resort my parents booked, the front desk guy was a a fan of mine from down in Tucson, and so he was all excited that my parents were going to be there. So I'm gonna, right. I'm looking forward to getting the red carpet rolled out. Oh well, absolutely, you deserve that <laughs> one, Jody. Um, speaking of a guy that's got the red carpet rolled out, uh, Arizona just got a commit right now from uh, Motius Rivas. Thanks uh, to the U of A for sending me that uh, that pronunciation right there. Um, seven, he's a mountain of a man. He's seven foot two, two hundred and sixty five pounds. Um, with international guys, Jody, I generally I'll be honest with you. I never know quite what to expect. If they were to come in and be a Julius Tabellis immediately where it's 14 and seven or 13 and seven. Cool. If they were to come in and be Henry Vasar, where you're kind of on the fringe, I never really quite know what to make of the international player. No, it's great. It's a great point. I'm, 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 I'll take it a step further. I'm always a little skeptical to be honest. And I know that might not be the most, um, you know, open-minded thing to say, but when you're talking about a big from Europe and, you know, like you, I think, at least for me, this just kind of dropped out of the sky today. And so I'm watching the Jonathan Gavoni highlights and I'm right. watching some of the other video clips and you're like, okay, I mean, see a big guy that can move. He's not like ultra athletic, but he's not a stiff either. But I think my first reaction, Mike was like, Okay, we. I think U of A's got enough size. I mean, I'm not right. really worried about the front court next year or beyond. It's, it's really about what they're. You know, we talked about last time. Who can put the ball on the floor? Who can attack the basket? Who can draw double teams? Who can get to the foul line? Who can be that guy? And so, I mean, it, it's at least something. We we have some results from Tommy Lloyd's off season, but I'm not I'm not satisfied. Right. And see, that's the thing, too, is that he's obviously going to make his a lot of his bones internationally. Um, You know, that's what he did at Gonzaga. He's known as Mr. International Recruiter. So far, it's been, you know, he hasn't gotten the guys here that he got at Gonzaga when you're dealing with the Rui Hachimuris, the, you know, the Kelly Olenek's, the uh, Karnowski's, because you look at it, it's Adama Ball. Henry Vesar, Philip Borovichinen. But, you know, I think at some point you're banking on that some of these guys are going to start hitting right here because, like it or not, this is going to be the backbone of a big part of his recruiting here, Jody. I'm, which I'm totally good with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whatever it takes to get players. And I think the appeal to the European pipeline is that there is stability. There is a little bit more stability. We even see that in the NBA where most of the best European players aren't the – 
player empowerment requesting a trade two years into a five-year deal. Right. It just hasn't really happened with the European players. I mean, eventually it will. But um, I look at the European side and I just think, okay, e- even with that being the primary pipeline, let's get some six, seven, six. Let's get a little bit more Benedict Matherin, you know, yes. international pipeline than the seven foot two grainy YouTube footage from the junior right. Lithuanian team. You know what I mean? It's a Bruder film type, uh, <laughs> type of background to it. Right. Yeah. Um, what, what I do like, I am interested to see what Lloyd's next step is because one thing that I think we found out, and we talked about this a little bit uh, last time you were on the show is that Arizona this past year was just not very tough. I think that's fair to say. And, and you know, you look at it, I believe you've got to have NBA players to generally be as good in, Look at that roster. I don't know that there were any NBA players. Maybe there were, but I didn't see them. Um, You look at this next year's roster. Kylan Boswell is going to be taken over at the point. And I think you're going to see, and this is with all due respect to Kerr, I think you're going to see a real upgrade right there. I think Boswell's got a next level, a toughness to him that he doesn't have, that Arizona didn't have. You bring in Jaden Bradley, again, transfers, who knows. But again, this is an ex-five-star kid, a year removed. He was at Alabama, where he was all SEC freshmen. You've got Larson, and then you may try to bring in another wing. That is at least a tougher perimeter to me than what you had with Kerr, Ramey, et cetera. No doubt. I mean, I think there's real optimism, but you know, I, I, I hate hammering this point so early before we've seen some of the results, but I think this is true in the NBA. This is certainly true in college basketball. I think this is true just at every level of basketball. Now it's, it's a wing dominated sport. I mean, guards and bigs. Jody cut out there for a second, but uh, once we get him back, go ahead. Sorry about that. You're good. So there's there's the two most interchangeable positions are guard and and center and that seems to be where Arizona's doing the bulk of their heavy lifting and I just want wings I mean I yes. want a wing I want a guy and with all due respect to Pella Larson like he's not the guy that's yes. that's just not who he is I think he's got a real valuable role on this team um, I think he can be a, a productive player as he has been but like. I, I don't know, man. I don't know why there's that disconnect. I don't know if it's the system and guys that are that size are, are being lured elsewhere. I know that there's there's the recruits next year that fill that role, but it's all a matter of timing. I mean, who knows? Kylan Boswell could be a monster this year, and he's gone by this time next year, and then it's, it's you know, rinse-repeat cycle sort right. of. You're, no, you're exactly right, though, especially in, in college hoops and in the NBA, which we're, we're going to get to here shortly. The wings, when you have bigger wings, when you have those versatile guys that are six foot six, six foot seven, that are long, rangy, athletic, they give you such a margin for error because I can put you at the two if I need to. I can go small and I can put you at the four and you're going to be able to cause problems defensively all the way across the board right there. Yeah, it's the hardest thing to find, right? I mean, look at the NBA Finals or the Conference Finals. It's Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, LeBron James, and then you've got one exception in Nikola Jokic, but whether they win that series or not, it's probably about Michael Porter Jr. as much as it is about Jokic. So Aaron Gordon. Yeah, 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 big guys that have versatile skills that aren't back to the basket. Now, if some of these bigs – can put the ball on the floor and can spread the floor and can shoot the three, then I'm open to a different sort of opinion once this roster's finalized. But man, I just, it's the one area that I think that Tommy Lloyd has yet to check the boxes. Can you recruit the kind of wing player that determines the best teams year in and year out? You mentioned NBA players. I I think they need a NBA player. I I don't think Tommy Lloyd needs 
four future first rounders in the starting line. That that just hasn't really worked well for anybody um, right. or doesn't very often. And so he needs a guy, and I don't know that they've got it yet, but, you know, I'm open-minded to Boswell and what his skill set brings. Well, I mean, you know, let's just go back to the previous year. Yeah, Dalen Terry. And, yes, Dalen Terry, again, was not an All-American, but he was the epitome of – you're going to have nine points, five rebounds, and you're going to have four assists right there, and he's going to play really good defense. The epitome of showing kind of where a your statistical impact doesn't necessarily show up in the box score. Or yeah, your real impact, was, sorry. Th- there, was a, there was a thing with Dalen Terry where, you know, he was everything you wanted or you could see he was going to be everything you wanted, but then he just showed a little too much of it for the right. last two weeks of the season, and then everybody right. got really excited, but – it's that kind of player. It's it's that kind of skill set and it's versatility. I mean, it's just the name of the game in, in basketball is like, what can you do? How many things can you do? How many things can you do? Well, there's just not a lot of specialization anymore in right. the uh, world of basketball. And it feels like Tommy Lloyd still is putting together teams of specialists that fill one role and that role only. And it's like, listen, I love Umar Balo and I love having a big dude, but Ultimately, in in the grand scheme of things, that should be a guy that's giving you like 18 change of pace minutes in the front court, not 36 minutes of your offense revolving around him because that just doesn't really work anymore. It, it's weird, too, because with when I look at Lloyd and I look at Lloyd's system, I think to myself, man, if he had Sean Miller's players um, when it, Miller yeah. was in Arizona. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, because that's what we're talking about. You're talking yeah. about getting the Rondé Hollis Jeffersons, the Aaron Gordons, the Nick Johnsons, and letting those guys go. And that's what he's got to get. I did a segment. Uh, it was it was during the Nuggets series, and it was about Aaron Gordon. And it was just Aaron Gordon, and I know we'll get to this a little bit with DeAndre Ayton here in a few minutes. Aaron Gordon's basically the same player in the NBA that he was at U of A. He's obviously added some, some muscle, and he – looks a lot bigger, but he's never really refined his skill set. He's right. never really become the reliable jump shooter or the reliable three-point shooter. He's a freak athlete. And if you go down the line, Sean Miller had all these dudes, Nick, jo- all different sizes, but it was like Nick Johnson. It was, you mentioned him, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You could throw the Grant Jarrett, Brandon Ashley's, although there's some aspects Stanley there. Johnson. Stanley Johnson. And, None of them got better. None of them developed skills. All of them were incredible on paper. But I feel like if you added Tommy Lloyd's player development background to it, which seems to be his specialty and his coaching staff specialty, I think all of those dudes probably would have been better off. But instead, they – there's like a stasis for all of them. They're just all frozen in time. Like, Rondé Hollis Jefferson – Literally the same dude in the NBA as he was as a freshman at UVA, which was like, man, if this guy develops a jump shot, he could be a 3-and-D menace. Well, guess what? He never did. It never happened. Right. Another person right here just said, imagine Lowry Markinen under Tommy Lloyd. Oh, I man, mean, Josh Green. Like, yeah. there's dudes – Josh, there's there's guys that just came and went through the UVA program, and I know it's one it's one year, and hey, Sean, yeah, there's only so much college coaches can do in this, this climate, right. but – I've never really seen players develop under Sean Miller. And that's where I'm excited to your point where, man, I'm not, I don't want to go back to four one and duns every year, rinse and repeat, but I do want to get to a point where there's some real blue chip players 
getting demonstrably better on the court under a really good coach. And I think until we see that, we're going to be left kind of wanting a little bit more from from Tommy Lloyd. I think a big part of that, at least the equation for it for me, is probably going to be next year with that. We're going to get to that in a second. But Jody Ayler, do you like pizza? Oh, you know it, man. All right. Jody Ayler likes pizza. I would recommend Mountain Mike's Pizza. Jody Ayler uh, likes pizza. Go to mountainmikespizza.com, and you can go to their Mesa Chandler or Tucson locations. When I was up at the NCAA tournament, Jody, I also saw them in Sacramento as well. That's how wide-reaching this apparatus is right here. There's no slowing down Mountain Mike's Pizza. Again, reminder, diehards can get a $50 voucher upon signing up. And to clarify, I am not Mountain Mike, even though some people think I might be Mountain Mike. Mountain Mike probably makes a lot more money than me. And one other thing, tap and bottle, tap and bottle watch parties. Now, you might be like Jody Ayler in your front row at all the games right there with the Suns and all that. But if you want to come hang out with the common folk, tap and bottle, the tap and bottle watch parties downtown for Arizona football and basketball. We'd love to see you down there and you can get some four peaks there as well. All right, Jody, did you have something to say right there? It looked like something was coming out. No, I just I, I I feel like we're 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 looking at Tommy Lloyd and just waiting for it to all come together. And it's year three, and um, I'm I'm anxious. I I am a little anxious, but I am I'm still optimistic. Yeah, I'm with you though. I, the next thing I need to see is I need to see some athletic wings in here. Just to be honest with you, because keep in mind, um, Doug Gottlieb always says that there is no there are no pros in the transfer portal. And I generally agree with that. But you know what there are? There's all conference players in the transfer portal. You look at Texas. You look at what Kansas State had uh, did this past year. I mean, heck, you look at UConn. You had all conference players there um, that were transfer portal guys. So you can get game changers that aren't necessarily lottery picks in the portal. Yeah, that's, again, where we're just not seeing money results. And I, I'm I'm – I'm just curious what his grand plan is if if it's just to sort of you you've talked a lot about this be hyper selective and put all your eggs into one or two baskets and then if those don't hit well we'll just fall back on our returning players but yeah I mean listen U of A basketball it's funny I've I've just kind of watched the evolution of how people talk about it how it's perceived and right it's you know the the stat that came out the other day that Andre Godala's retirement means the end of a Lute Olsen coach player in the NBA, which boy, just kind of bummed me out in a yeah. really weird way. And right. Right. I, I, what I remembered when I read that stat was not only did Lute Olsen recruit great players, develop great players, but so many of the players from U of A went on to be great NBA players. Right. And again, not to hammer Sean Miller, but, all of those great talents that came to U of A, I mean, very few of them have turned out to be above average NBA players, no matter where they were drafted. Well, I mean, I'll take it a step further with Luke. There was a time in the early 2000s where you had Mike Bibby with the Kings averaging 20 points. You had JT with the Hawks averaging 20. You had Gilbert averaging 30. Richard Jefferson averaging 20, Andre Iguodala averaging 20. Maybe none of these guys were Hall of Famers, but they were – fringe all-stars and you had about eight of them all at one time right there that was just to me was just baffling when you look back at it considering a lot of those guys were mcdonald's all americans do you know who i think might be the most underrated nba player that lute olsen and when i say underrated i just mean mostly forgotten because you just rattled off a bunch of dudes who have better credentials mm -hmm. and were better players but yeah. luke walton was a really good nba player 
He was. Luke Walton was a really good NBA player that I think is like there's some Kyle Anderson maybe now. Like I think in the current age of the NBA, Luke Walton would still be a very useful player. It's like what Solomon Hill could have been, but for whatever reason, he didn't quite become. Although I'd put Solomon Hill maybe is Sean Miller's best totally you know, NBA developmental story. But yeah, I, I think Luke Walton gets forgotten, but he was a he was a damn good NBA player. And keep in mind, he started at an NBA Finals every single game that year, the year when Kobe was going through the legal issues. You had Shaq as well, and they were bickering. I mean, yeah, that's a guy that could jump over a phone book, but put together a 12-year NBA career. And you win with players like Luke Walton. I guess that's probably the point that I would go with right there. That's that's the best way to put it. You win with players like that. Everyone needs a player like that, and it's it's sort of the kind of player that's been missing for a little while now. All right, I'm probably going to get beat up here, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to say what it is. I am, as a Suns fan, I'm out on DeAndre Ayton. Um, I'll be honest with you. When DeAndre Ayton was picked, uh, obviously you had questions about the motor because there weren't a lot of t- – now listen, he got 22 and 11 because he was bigger and better than everybody. But there were, there were a lot of games too where it's like, are you really trying as hard as you can? And But when he was picked by the Suns, I was hopeful that a switch would be picked or that maybe he could be – and again, this sounds stupid in hindsight, but a poor man's David Robinson, you know, get you 22 and 10, but a winning 22 and 10. What I've come to the conclusion from an outsider's perspective is that, yes, DA is going to get you 17 and nine, but it's not a winning 17 and nine. And it's not a 17 and nine that you'd look back and say, man, that was an impactful game out of eight. No, I've nicknamed him box score because it's the only yeah. defense DeAndre Ayton fans have. It's like, oh, look at his box score. He had 17 and 10. I'm like, did you watch the game? There was no yeah. impact. There was no presence. It wasn't like he was dictating the flow on either side of the ball. Is So before I before I respond to that, let me ask you this, because you've got your finger on this better than I do. Hmm? Do, do you of A fans defend DeAndre Ayton because he's one of us? Is it, is it hey, quit yeah. people quit picking on DeAndre Ayton. He's an Arizona Wildcat. I view him as a U of A alum and as a lifelong U of A fan. I'm like, man, I, when I flipped on DA and when I started pounding the Luka Doncic drum for the Phoenix Suns number one overall, right. was not when I watched Buffalo beat the crap out of U of A with DeAndre Ayton on the floor getting beat routinely off right. the dribble by a 6'6 center. And right. I'm like, I, you, you can't lose to Buffalo in the first round and be the – Yeah, Jody cut out there for a second, but what, Jody? Go ahead, Jody. Yeah, keep going, Buffalo. No, yeah, when they lost to Buffalo, I just thought you you can't be who you need to be and lose to Buffalo. And I know that upsets happen, and I know he's not the first NBA player to get upset in the first round, but I just vividly remember that game waiting for DeAndre Ayton to take over and be like, no, no, we're not we're not going out like that on my watch. And instead, he... He was he was very much a part of that loss. You know what was my first real concern about Aiton was this was when all the FBI stuff came out, obviously. And Arizona went to play Oregon that year up in uh, um, up in Eugene. And Sean Miller, I believe, was suspended that game uh, as they were looking into the allegations because everything that had just broke. And Aiton went out there and Aiton was clearly mad 
that, you know, his name was being put in there and whatnot. And he had one of the most dominant first halves I've ever seen, Jody. I, without looking at it, it was like 22 and 12 or something like that. And then the second half he did absolutely, uh, but it was like in the second half he did absolutely nothing, almost to the point where it was like, well, I already proved myself right there in that first half. I don't got to go out there. And again, Arizona ended up losing that game. But there's always, you always just want more from him. And again, I'm, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Monty Williams guy. And we'll get to that here in a little bit but at the end of the day Aiton's being paid 30 plus million dollars a year to give up his best effort and it's impossible even for the best Aiton defender or the biggest Aiton defenders to say yeah he's giving his best effort yeah and I I should be clear like DeAndre Aiton's not a bust he's not an embarrassing number one overall pick he's not some you know completely hopeless project that's never going to materialize he's he's in the Andrew Wiggins class of number one overall picks where you're like man that's just it's never really worked out the way it should have worked out, or he's never really been the guy. Now, Wiggins found somewhere that helped mold him. I'm, I'll be curious if DeAndre Ayton does too. But, yeah, I mean, I, I remember at that time when DeAndre Ayton was at U of A, I was doing a podcast every week with Doug Howler from mm-hmm. – he was at the Arizona Republic at the time. Now he's with The Athletic. And uh, Doug used to just kind of laugh at me because I would watch DA early in his U of A career and be like, this is a human being that was put on this earth to dominate basketball. I mean, <laughs> yes. the size yes. and skill combination was kind of jaw-dropping right. when you first saw DeAndre. We've Ray never Ryan. seen anything like that. You and I have watched a no. lot of basketball. We've never seen a big man walk in there looking like that. No, and it, it was incredible. And you could just project all of these sort of moments and skills. And I, I think for a lot of people – that's the impression they're frozen in time with. I've just seen too many times where DeAndre Ayton is not that guy. It's been year after year. He's not a young player. He's not an inexperienced player. He didn't turn the corner after the 2021 finals where he was arguably the Suns' most consistent player right. from start to finish and then followed it up with a typical DeAndre Ayton year, got paid, came back this year, fell apart. So, um, yeah, I mean, the other thing about DeAndre Ayton is he's – basically a role player not because he's a bad player but because in the nba i think every center except Jokic, and even he's trying to prove this right now i I don't think centers i don't think the game is played in a way that's conducive for showcasing deandre ayton's strengths and the problem is i see a lot of sons and u of a fans like we'll just give him the ball give him the ball no post you have to slow everything down your motion stops your passing stops you dump it down low. You play Shaq to the early 2000-style basketball. That does not work in the current NBA and probably never will again. And that means he's a rim runner and a rebounder and a defender, and that's not a $33 million a year guy. And the thing with Jokic that's unique is that everything on that, and this is why they can get away with it, everything on that team depends on Jokic. All those right. players that depends on his passing, it depends on his ball handling, it depends on his ability to finish. He's essentially a point center if that's right. – no, I always tell people if Larry Bird was a seven foot one player, he would have been Nikola Jokic. That's right. That's the best way that I can put it right there. I mean, and, and Joel Embiid's, I mean, the only MVP in history to never reach a conference finals. And he just completely got marginalized by Robert Williams and right. Boston. So, so like there's just a part of this that is positional value. Part of it is DeAndre Ayton. I'd also go back to, you know, moments when we were out on DeAndre Ayton was yeah. Scott Bordeaux wrote a profile of DeAndre Ayton as as he left U of A before he was drafted. Mm-hmm. And I, I encourage people to go Google that um, okay. from Scott because DeAndre Ayton talks about having 
multiple different personalities. And I think one of the guy's name was Jeremy and he was a goofy white guy and like <laughs> just not a serious dude. And listen, I, you can be silly, you can be lighthearted, but the stories you read about a guy like Dwight Howard is he was basically more interested in fart jokes in the NBA than he was about being a great NBA player. And I think there's a real part of DeAndre Ayton that's just, he's silly. He's not that serious. And I'm not, I'm not surprised his career has gone this way. All right. Now we're going to talk about the next step there for Ayton and the Suns. But first, the four peaks. Jody, U of A had four peaks big men last year. I wanted it to take off more than it did. Some people still like it. I still like it. And you know what? That's what matters to me right there. Check out Four Peaks Brew or Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest on Arizona's hometown brewery. Must be 21 years or up to enjoy. And again, Four Peaks, please drink responsibly. Arizona has added a fourth peak to replace Azulis to Tabellus. Maybe there will be another peak that we add as well right there. And Illegal Pete's. Jody, I know that you've been to Illegal Pete's before because you're a cool guy. Of course. All right. Now, when you were away from home, I was going to say when you were in Tucson, you went to Illegal Pete's, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, man. And there's there's, but uh, there's like I went everywhere in Tucson. There's the best food, one of the best food cities in America. Thank you. It really is. It's a very underrated food place right there. And I'm glad you said that because I've argued with people about this forever. (laughs) People like to really dismiss Tucson, but you better know that Tucson brings the food. Tucson is significantly better food wise than Phoenix. It's not even close. It is. And so let's hear uh, Legal Pete's, though. Stop in either their Tucson or Tempe locations and you get a house beer beer bucket for you and the whole crew. Five pints for 15 bucks. Soak up the sun with a loaded burrito and a uh, crisp beer on the patio. Legal Pete's, your go to for burritos, buddies and beer. All right. How much of this with the Suns is do you put on Monty Williams as and again, I'm not excusing Aiton because we just went all over on why we'd get rid of Aiton and we're out on him. But what is how does Monty Williams figure into all of this? I personally don't put a lot on Monty Williams. I think the analogy I would use is if you're a teacher and you've been teaching the same group of kids basically for four or five years, and there's one kid in the class that's constantly interrupting the class, he's constantly being obnoxious he's constantly requiring extra attention he's constantly trying your patience everyone has their breaking point if monty williams had a disruptive relationship with deandre in year one it's on monty williams if monty williams and deandre had a fractured relationship year two might be on monty williams monty williams it really broke after year four because there's only so much you can do when you're waiting for somebody to get it And I don't think Monty Williams has a reputation for being a hothead or being a guy that doesn't have patience. He's arguably the most paternal head coach in the NBA. And I think DeAndre Ayton broke him because, listen, how many five-year players do you see getting yelled at every game by their teammates the way DeAndre Ayton does? Devin Booker, Chris Paul. And so, uh, to me, all roads lead back to everyone sees what we see everyone wants more deandre ayton is frustrating that's i i'm not worried about da making sons the sons franchise regret if they inevitably trade him i was talking with mulebach about this i don't think mulebach will mind me saying this but he said when you watch the sons just from a distance he said you can always see booker and even kd and some other players there's moments when they look at deandre like oh, this guy 
or, you know, something like that where it's just kind of a rolling of the eyes moment where it's like, all right, well, we got to put up with this or we got to do this or whatever. And like you said, the body language is just not it's not good. And it leads me to believe that this isn't just a Monty Williams problem. No. And I think that's the important part is that, like, it's it's several years of this. It's day right. day after day. And then not only do you see him on the court screw up positioning or maybe not make the right cut or right decision, then after the game. You've got to brace yourself for what coming out of DeAndre Ayton's mouth because he is going to say ridiculous thing after ridiculous thing. I mean, uh, the most recent example after he injured his ribs in game four, or excuse me, after game five, you know, he gave an interview to Dana Scott of the Arizona Republic where he was like, oh, I, you know, it's the playoffs. You got to suck it up. It's it's painful, but you got to play. And then, and then he doesn't play the next game. And it's right. just the classic DeAndre Ayton experience, man. Um, I, I, I will be shocked if they don't trade them, and I will be shocked if they're not better off for it. Can you get now – What can you can you still get a Miles Turner and a Buddy Heald type, or is that ship essentially sailed to where you maybe just get Miles Turner? I always look at this I, – I like reverse engineer a trade where it's kind of like when you're recruiting. What's, what's the most negative recruiting you could do against a coach, right? And that's, right. that's how you have to kind of put yourself in the shoes of an athlete that's like, okay – I can make a case how great U of A is, but there's a lot of other people that are going to be making the case for how terrible U of A is. And if I look right. at the negative trade conversation around DeAndre Ayton, teams are going to try to find a value. They might think they're capable and they can figure them out, but they're not going to give the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the guy's disappeared. It, I, I think the Monty Williams relationship inside NBA circles is much more reflective of DeAndre Ayton than the general public wants to think. So, I mean, th- there's a couple trade ideas I've had. I think a sign and trade for Kyle Kuzma might be the most mm-hmm. interesting trade option for both teams. You put him next to Porzingis. That's a franchise with Bradley Beal, DeAndre Porzingis. Maybe they think they you can could argue three hollow stats guys right there. <laughs> right. It, the problem is they fired their GM, and so right. they're probably not that dumb. Um, Dallas, I keep talking about. Mark Stein actually stole this one from me. I emailed it to him after an interview, and then he went on a podcast and said it was his idea. So shout out Mark Stein for stealing. All right, Mark, we're we're uh, we're clarifying that right here on the AZ Wildcats podcast. Go ahead, there, Jody. I, I just think it's it's Maxi Kleber, Javale McGee, Tim Hardaway Jr., and the tenth overall pick. And I think it's the best combination of players and picks. I think Kyrie Irving and all the smoke around him is to get the most money possible from the Dallas Mavericks. I don't think he's ultimately going to end up on the Suns. That might be wishful. And can I stop you real quick right there? Yeah. If you're Kevin Durant, and do you really want to go through playing with Kyrie Irving again? You know, I don't know if you've had this experience, Mike, but there's people that have really weird relationships. You know, when you're a married couple, you spend a lot of time with other married couples, and they're right. about half the time you're like, I don't know how that relationship works. And then there's, I've, I've met once in my life, a couple that was like, we have an open relationship. And then they'll tell stories about how like the husband's going home with bartenders and the wife's going home with like, and I'm, I always come away and I'm like, I have no idea how any of this works. It's absolutely bizarre, but for whatever reason works, I bring that up because I think Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are like the open relationship couple of the NBA. (laughs) No one knows how or why or what's going on, but I think there's just some sort of weird bond between those two dudes. Interesting. All right. right. uh, By the way, just to clarify, 
a non-sexual bond between <laughs> Kevin Durant and Kyrie. I'm talking strictly basketball platonic, just uh, professional related right correct, there. Correct. The um, Now you said, and I hadn't even really thought about this, Jay Wright. Now, again, it's your article. I'm just going to tell you what I've always thought about Jay Wright. Okay. I think Jay Wright had, there's very few uh, coaches in college hoops that I've looked at in the past and said, Oh, I think he'd be really good in the NBA. Um, Billy Donovan was actually one of them um, because of the style that he ran. Now you could say Billy Donovan's been kind of meh, but whatever. Jay Wright, though, he ran an up-tempo style where he let his guys, he gave his guys the abilities to make plays. He also would not call a timeout every five seconds to try to usher everybody back in on the right page. And by and large, he let his guys play, and his his players turned out to be pretty darn good pros, the ones that stayed, whether it's Jalen Brunson, whether it's Mikhail Bridges. You know, he can name some other as well i like it as long as he's motivated jody you can make a pretty good case for it as you're about to do i think there's a great case for jay Wright, man i think he's a proven leader and winner you mentioned the program it was a program for adults it was for big kids you come there you play defense you make the extra pass you buy in you build something special if you think that's only translatable in the college level, I don't think you watch basketball. I think right. we watch the Warriors and other teams thrive, even the Lakers right now. The reason the Lakers are in the conference finals, they found this weird chemistry from a bunch of random dudes, and it all works. I think right. Jay Wright, to me, the other part is he was an assistant coach for the to- for the uh, last Olympics when Kevin Durant and Devin Booker were on the Olympic team. Right. They don't hire bozo college coaches who only recruit one and dones to coach the best players in the world in international competition where the reputation of USA basketball is on trial every four years. I think he's got the ability to connect with star players. I think he's a proven winner. I think also one of the reasons I make the case for Jay Wright is What's special about these retread NBA coaches that everybody's hot? Well, they won a championship. Like, yeah. And then they got rejected by Pascal Siakam, Nick Nurse. Mike Budenholzer got rejected by Giannis. He didn't lay down in front of the, you know, fall on the sword so that Mike Budenholzer could live to coach another year. Frank Vogel got rejected by LeBron James. Like, I don't want the stink of failure coming to Phoenix for honestly, Mike, I think next year is really the only year a championship is possible with Kevin Durant because he's not going to get better with age. He's going to be more injury prone, and they've got one really good year left. They've got to get it right. And to me, Jay Wright, largely because of what he did with Team USA and Villanova, is is I just thinking it's up. I, this is the way I put it on the show. It's the same kind of swing as a head coach as Kevin Durant was as a player. You might as well go big on both fronts. Would you have made the trade in hindsight? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would too. I would too, Frank. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, the whole Mikhail Bridges thing, man. We could do a whole segment on this. Um, let's ha- let's do a little bit of a segment on the Mikhail Bridges because I was going to ask you about that next. It is East Coast bias to the nth degree. Like this dude got empty buckets for a mediocre Brooklyn Nets team that got swept by the Sixers, but because he did it in Brooklyn, was treated like he was Kevin Durant two point Listen. Mikael Bridges is a very nice player. We knew that in Phoenix. He will never be the first or second best player on a championship contending team. At best, he'll be a solid number three. And even that, I think, is up in the air based on his offensive inconsistency. I I don't think there's any secret. And I don't think that Mikael Bridges was some 
undiscovered gem that the Brooklyn Nets put in a position to succeed. I think he got a lot of opportunities to shoot the ball because that team sucked and didn't have any other offensive options. And we're left with a black hole with Ben Simmons failure. And Mikhail Bridges is a good NBA player, but I, I, I don't think they're going to live with a lifetime of regret for Mikhail. I, that's what I always go back to when I, when I try to view somebody, are they a star or not? If you're the second best player on a team, can I win a championship? Or, I mean, heck, even if you're the the third best player, but you're close to that second, can um, you be can, – and I, I just didn't see it. That's why no. – give you an idea, and this is totally off topic here. I was debating with somebody the other day about Andre Iguodala and Jason Terry about who had a better pro career. And, Jody, I'm probably in the minority here. I get it. But I've seen Jason Terry as the second best player on a team – score 20 plus points a game against LeBron James in the Miami Heat and win an NBA title. And this was all due respect to Andre Iguodala, who had a great career. If Andre Iguodala is ever my second best player, I don't believe I'm winning a title. Yeah, I, I agree. I would, And I would probably agree with you on Jason Terry. I think Iguodala got that sort of Golden State Warriors glow and he deserved the finals MVP. But, you know, getting back to your second best player, here are the second best players, right? Jalen Brown. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is not as good as Jalen Brown. Um, right. He's not as good as Anthony Davis. He's not as good as Devin Booker. Devin Booker needs to be the second best player right. on an NBA championship team, which is why you acquired Kevin Durant so that you could have the best player on a championship team. I think, I, I do think in hindsight, we could quibble about that trade and say, did they have to give up four unprotected firsts in a pick swap? Could that have been two firsts and two pick swaps? But um, then again, you know, Matt Ishbia wanted the deal done, got the deal done. And uh, now it's time to kind of, you know, really make make good on that possibility. Right now. All right. So let's go back. Let's go back here to the U of A a little bit and the players that are kind of in the NBA here because I've kind of been in an NBA zone right now. Benedict Matherin, I do believe, is going to be out of all the U of A players in the league. And I know Lowry Marketing got most improved player. If you were to ask me one that has top 10 player potential, Benedict Matherin's that dude. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he hit the rookie wall this year. I think he was struggled to finish just because of the season length. And you see that a lot. But I, I think Benedict Matherin, which surprised me about Matherin was his shooting. I mean, I didn't think he would shoot that well from three the way he did early in his Pacers right. career. So I put Matherin. Lowry Marketing again, uh, the Jazz stunk. I'm, I, I like. I've always liked Larry Markin, and I've always thought he was one of those guys you could just see should be better. Good for him for being as good as he was this year. How does Larry Markin fit in on a championship contender? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what he does if he's only getting eight to twelve shots a game instead of eighteen to twenty shots a game. Is it a little bit of that Mikhail Bridges type situation? It really is. And I, where I, whereas I see Benedict Matherin like a, a big time projection, but if he's your second best player and you've got a, it, it, I guess, a Devin Booker, not the same bucket getter, but a Devin Booker level NBA star is his absolute peak. Um, I don't know that he'll get there, but I, I, I like Matherin and I think he's going to be a really good player. All right, now, real quick, OGs. You might say to yourself, Mike, I can't sleep at night. That's what OGs is there for you. Help it out. Help them help you. You can find them at your local dispensary at OGs Brands. You must be 21 and up. They got great flavors. They got great ratios, CBN, strawberry, the CBD to THC, one-to-one -one ratio, rebranded as Happy Balance right there. 
And let's say you got a family like uh, Jody Ayler does. Octane Raceway and Mavericks might be a place that you could stop at some point. Up in Scottsdale, you can book some fun this spring at Octane Raceway and Mavericks. Kart racing, virtual reality, laser tags, axe throwing, bowling, arcade, great food and drinks. Tons of different events throughout the summer. Check out OctaneRaceway.com and Mavericks.com to learn more. Okay, now um, let's go back to the U of A. Uh, let's go back to basketball here for a few minutes. Not that we haven't been talking basketball, but um, next year's roster then with the Cats, a couple other guys that we wanted to talk about a little bit. The one thing I do like about what Tommy Lloyd's doing is he's trying to, I think, get tougher players. And when I read, give you an example, when I read that he was going after a Kashad Johnson, a kid out of San Diego State that averaged eight and seven, but put up 13 and four in the championship game, I liked hearing that. When I read that he was going after an Arthur Kaluma that was putting up, you know, 12 and six on uh, Creighton, it shows me that he probably does understand, at least, Jody, that at the end of the day, he's got to get tougher and he's got to he's got to get bigger on those perimeter spots like you said yeah i always wonder with tommy lloyd how much of his experience at gonzaga and watching the mark few evolution motivates him shapes him i mean mark few still looking for that first national right. championship mark few still kind of trailing the play when it comes to the the best coaches of the generation and i i look at tommy lloyd and i'm like he spent so much time there. He's obviously influenced by him. But does he does he recognize or does he have a blind spot that you can't just copy and paste what, what Gonzaga did to Arizona and expect it to be okay? Because the difference is Mark Few entered a program that wasn't built to a national power. He built it there. Right. And I think at Arizona, he's going to have a different standard to live up to. So, yeah, toughness. Um, and just some some dog. I'm I'm curious to see where he gets it and how he pursues it. Now, maybe Kaluma is still an option, right? I mean, if he's right. if the pre-draft process doesn't work out as well, I don't know, mm -hmm. but you know, maybe. But last year, you kind of had, in my opinion, you kind of had some fake dogs, for lack of a better term. Kirk Kreese had talked yeah, a lot. Yeah. But Kirk Carissa wasn't the guy that was going to get up on you, defend you, and generally come through in the big moments. Azulis Tabellis was uh, a very good player, but I don't think anybody <laughs> looked at Azulis Tabellis and said that's a guy that uh, um, embraces the limelight right there, that embraces that big moment. And that, to me, is kind of where you really got exposed against Princeton. Granted, I thought the team outperformed all year, but I do think that that part was definitely exposed against Princeton. No, Tabellus is a house cat. I mean, there's no dog in him whatsoever. Right. Um, the the thing about Kirk Kreese is he forgot that part of being a dog is when you bark, you got to back it up with a bite. There was no right. bite there. It was all bark. So, yeah, there's there's an opportunity. Now, I, I didn't get a sense from Boswell that he is a particularly chippy player. You know, maybe maybe that's just because he was, you know, literally 17 years old, or maybe it's because he was in a reserve role. But – he seems to be a little bit more lead by example than than a huge presence on the court. So I'm curious to see how some of the other guys, because Pella Larson, again, not a guy you want setting the tone off the bus for the uh, intensity. Right, and right. who is that guy is still kind of kind of up in the air. Right. So we'll we'll find out on the latest U of A big man right there. Again, when you bring him a seven foot two, um, seven foot two seems to move pretty well. But like you said, it's uh, with international players. It's always hard for me to really unless they're just like, you know, if Victor Wembenyama came to Tucson, I'd probably right. be able to, I'd probably be able to tell you, Jody, 
might want to keep an eye on this guy right here. Right, but, right. but you general, I think you generally know pretty early on, because keep in mind, Henry Vesar could still turn out to be very good. But Henry Vesar was also talked about as an instant contributor. So you just really never know on those spots. So Well, I mean, we're still waiting to see about the kid from Gilbert, right? I mean, yeah. that, that Dylan is, Anderson, by the Dylan way. Dylan Anderson, you know, yeah. You know who Dylan Anderson's um, uh, flag football coach was? No, who's that? And who's a very close friend of Dylan Anderson who's tweeted at me many times about this. Frank Caliendo. <laughs> is that right? Yes. No, he's got all kinds of photos of him and everything. It's great. Let me tell you a quick random Frank Caliendo yeah. story. Super Bowl week, I put together a media basketball run and Doug Gottlieb's running point, and Jason McIntyre's there and some other. Frank Caliendo, this is a gym in Tempe I booked. It's a private gym, it, invite only. And uh, somehow Frank Caliendo ended up at this gym watching us play basketball for like <laughs> 30 minutes with a TikToker some like teenage TikToker and they they're just in sweatpants and shirts watching this random media basketball right. game for like 30 minutes. I have no idea how it happened. Did he uh did he did he explain himself or did he just show up to watch some hoop? <laughs> he just I think he I think Doug Gottlieb invited him there, but I I have no idea why and he stayed for a little while watching us play. I never I, I didn't interact with them very much. I was just kind of like, what the, this is the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> All right, Jody, as always, really appreciate you. Everyone out there, again, you got to listen to Jody Ayler, host of The Drive, 6 to 10 a.m. on Fox Sports 910. Again, coming in with some pretty good stuff right there. I like Jay Wright to the Phoenix Suns, and we are pretty much in lockstep on DeAndre Ayton as well. Jody, as always, you have a safe travels down here to Tucson, and you get the hero's welcome that you deserve. Mike, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right. He's Jody Ayler. I'm Mike Woop. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.